Welcome to The Empathic Advantage, the empowerment podcast for sensitive folk. I'm your host, Hanna-Marie and I'm on a mission to show you all the wonderful ways that you can thrive in this world, whether you call yourself an empath, a highly sensitive person, or simply a little different. In a world that's not exactly geared towards us feely folk, there are important conversations to be had to shift the paradigm that there is such a thing as being too sensitive. My guests and I will talk life, career and leadership, spiritual and less spiritual practices, and anything in between to empower you to use your endless gifts as an empath in truly all walks of life, whether you feel called by the healing arts or building rocket ships. So if you're ready to explore the possibility that your sensitive nature is truly nothing you need to fix, and that you can have the life you want not despite your empathic nature, but because of it, well, then you're home, my friend. I truly believe that now more than ever, the world could really use the empathic advantage, and I want to make sure that you find yours. So let's jump right in, shall we? Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Empathic Advantage. I hope you guys are doing well, and I'm just so very excited that you're here because today I wanted to talk to you about an often missed piece of the self development and healing journey. If you're someone who's struggled with or is currently struggling with their mental health, whatever the challenges may be, and you've looked for different ways to overcome your issues, I just wanted to share a piece that has become a really crucial part of my own work with my mind. And that piece is acceptance. And now, before you write me off as some sort of a woo-woo lady who's going to lecture you on yet another far-fetched idea on dealing with your anxiety that never, ever really works, I really know the type, you know, then hear me out because of my 33 years in this world, I have spent a good 25 years experiencing anxiety. My anxiety has taken me to some very dark places I have thought I'm surely going to die because sometimes my anxiety manifests as physical symptoms, triggering health concerns. Anxiety has also made me do some really dumb things. It's made me check out, it's made me disengage, and it's just caused a lot of suffering. Not to mention the countless, and I mean thousands of hours, spent in the state of survival, although... Whatever I worried about never really happened, and now I'm left wondering all that I could have had achieved in that time. Sometimes I've had depression into the mix, which is always a lovely experience, having the anti-opt on you like that. And I'm just telling you this to show you that I've been there. I'm not a guru, I'm not a yogi, I'm not a mindfulness teacher or a therapist. I'm simply someone who's been to hell and back in my mind so many times I cannot even begin to count. I've just been there. And so if you've experienced or are experiencing a similar thing, then I just wanted to tell you that I see you and that you are not alone. I've gone to therapy for about 10 years. I've experimented with different therapeutic modalities and read up on all things mental health. And most of the time I've just been stumbling through this darkness. But luckily, the stumbling has yielded some pretty great results too. Because over the years, I have learned to close the loop of anxiety quicker and quicker. I've picked up some very useful practices on my travels to the darkness and back. And I'm sharing them with you in the hopes that they'll help you as well. So here's what I wanted to tell you about today. And I think it will resonate, especially if you've 
Ever felt stuck on your self-development and healing journey? And the first and most crucial piece is this. You are not broken. You have never been broken, nor will you ever be broken. It is just not how that works. And there's a lot of discussion going on around mental health that talks about healing. I'm so happy that these discussions have become more commonplace. And while I think that the healing overall is a very good word, I also think that it can sometimes leave us feeling that we need healing because we're broken. And if we operate from that understanding, we simply search and we dig and we try and practice and do all kinds of things that are supposed to be fixing us so that we never have to feel the way we feel again, so that we'd never have to have that same trigger present itself or that same argument with our spouse or that same ruminating thought coming up again and again. And we can really fall into this trap of looking for yet another practice, another modality, therapist or meditation or whatever else so that perhaps this will be the missing thing that will make us whole again. Well, that is, in my opinion, for a lack of a better word, BS. Because I think this does a few things to us, the way I see it. Firstly, it makes us feel unworthy. It makes us feel unworthy of love, of closeness, of care, respect, boundaries, of being heard and seen, because we feel like we have no right to those things while we are broken. So we search for ways to make us whole so that we'd finally deserve those things. And secondly, it distracts us. It distracts us from simply being with the feeling. Because we operate under the notion that we need to make this feeling go away when all it really ever wanted is to be seen. Like you do. Like you did when you were a child. Now, please don't get me wrong. I am all for working on yourself. I think therapy, whichever school you've chosen, breath work, meditation, EMDR, medications, tapping, and just anything else that you found useful is immensely valuable. It really has been for me as well. All I want to say is that we need to flip the narrative, should you be carrying it, that you're doing it because you need fixing Instead, I believe that working on yourself will just simply give you a sense of consciousness about what's going on inside and why. What are you still carrying? What are the stories that you're telling yourself? No questions asked. No questions why you reacted this way to that trigger or why this thought keeps coming up or why this emotion keeps arising. And that is where I think healing happens. Because we think from a perspective of our physical body, a physical wound, we don't actually heal that wound. Even if we need some help in the form of stitches, they're just aids to help the body heal itself. We don't make the blood clot around the wound, nor do we consciously build new cells to create the scar tissue that is needed to heal that wound. So in my experience, healing is really not something you do. You just simply allow it to happen. And so here's where the acceptance piece comes in. Because we need to accept that that's what's presenting itself within us. We just sit with that. We accept that the wound is there. 
So whenever anxiety arises for me these days, I just get quiet. Instead of turning to any sort of practice, I first get really, really quiet. I give the feeling space to stretch out its legs. And it's not easy to do it if you've never done it before. But luckily, it's something that you can practice. It can be a little bit scary at first to kind of go like, yeah, but what if I just give that emotion its full power and reign? And from the perspective of somebody who's been to those places so many times, I can tell you, the emotion is not going to kill you. It is never going to kill you. It is not going to hurt you. As long as you just allow it to be in that space. I've even started to refrain from doing any breathing practices when that emotion arises because I've realized that that too, in a way, is a form of quieting the emotion rather than myself. Because I like to view my anxiety as well as a younger part of me, a toddler in essence, you know, (laughs) because like many of us, I've traced my anxiety back to my childhood and in that equation, in this relationship between me and my anxiety, Now I am the parent and my anxiety is the toddler, unable to regulate herself. My anxiety needs my attention. And then from the place of being a parent, you can then decide what to do with it. Because you're the one who's calling the shots in the end. And if anything needs to be done at all. And as a parent of a two-year-old, well, I can tell you, the moment you're trying to quieten the child instead of yourself you are in very deep trouble. (laughs) The moment you're trying to tell your child to not feel what they're feeling, to distract them or to reason with them, they will just feel like you're not listening. And they will come up, mark my words, with wilder and wilder approaches to get you to pay attention. This should start to sound familiar if you've ever struggled with anxiety. But if you just slow way, way down you will be able to hear what they really need. Because the crying and the kicking and the screaming is not because you broke their cookie when they wanted to have it whole, although it sure feels like that. Instead, it could be an unmet expectation or a feeling that they're losing their autonomy. And the same goes for your anxiety as well. It's really not about that thing someone said to you at work, but what that thing represents. Perhaps it's a feeling of being misunderstood or left out or in danger of losing your position. So if we don't really lean into what this toddler inside us needs, we will never really hear what it has to say. And we might delude ourselves into thinking that the issue is out there with the other people. But if we learn to accept that that is our current experience without questioning, without reasoning or shoving away or distracting or doing anything else, we might just be in a position to give ourselves what we need in that moment. Maybe we need safety, that we need to feel safe within our own bodies and we can make ourselves feel safe by doing certain things. Or maybe it's a boundary that we need to set with somebody else or with ourselves. Or maybe it's just a hug that we need. Because if we're able to give that to ourselves and hold that space for our emotion, 
we don't really get upset when other people who are struggling with their own emotions and in their own survival modes and with their own agendas aren't able to hold it for us in that moment or give us what we need. It is a literal superpower to learn to listen to your needs and to give that to yourself first. And sometimes, I swear, you don't even need to do anything at all. Simply sitting with that emotion is enough. Just giving it space, letting it stretch out, do its song and its dance and its drums and you'll just applaud them and wait for them to bow out. And if you need a little help viewing your anxiety in this way, then here's a neat little hack that I've been using unknowingly, perhaps. So whether you're a parent of a young child or not, you may consider following Instagram accounts on gentle parenting and switch out whenever they talk about a toddler, switch out, this is my anxiety. And whenever they talk about a parent, this is you. And so play out some of those scenarios that people are talking about and see how that starts to shift, perhaps, your understanding as well. You can start with accounts like Big Little Feelings, or another one I really love is Mary Finn Jeffen. Is it Jeffen or Geffen? I'm not sure. Anyway, I'll leave it in the show notes for you to check out. Uh, check those both out, or follow any other parenting tips and tricks that really resonate with you. It will really make a difference, I think, in your understanding of how to speak to that anxious part of you as well. To wrap things up, I'll just leave you with this thought. Jill Bolte-Taylor is a Harvard-educated neuroscientist whose TED talk on how she experienced the stroke and what that was like for her as a neuroscientist has received nearly 40 million views. She writes in her book, My Stroke of Insight, begin quote, When a person has a reaction to something in their environment, there's a 90-second chemical process that happens in the body. After that, any remaining emotional response is just the person choosing to stay in that emotional loop. Something happens in the external world and chemicals are flushed through your body, which puts it on full alert. For those chemicals to totally flush out of the body, it takes less than 90 seconds. This means that for 90 seconds, you can watch the process happening, you can feel it happening, and then you can watch it go away. After that, if you continue to feel fear, anger, and so on, you need to look at the thoughts that you're thinking that are re-stimulating the circuitry that is resulting in you having this physiological response over and over again. End quote. So next time you're having anxiety come up, I really urge you to give it your full attention for 90 seconds and see what that does for you. Don't change your breathing. Don't walk. Don't put on music, don't meditate, do yoga, or numb or distract in any other way. Simply accept that that's how you're feeling in this moment. So, that was the episode for today. And if you're interested in learning more about the tools I've honed over the years to lead into the discomfort of my anxiety, and how you can start to close the loop of anxiety quicker and quicker yourself, I'm currently putting all of it together into an online course, I'll be taking you through the three-step process I use to support my whole system whenever anxiety arises with really practical tools and thought exercises mixed in. It's all about being less afraid of anxiety coming up and having the trust in your abilities to handle it because you've grown your mental resilience and you have the mental tools and resources to sit with whatever is coming up. 
If you'd like to be the first to know about my updates on this course and be in for a chance to get a substantial discount when it becomes available, please head to my website ofwildmind.com forward slash course. I'll be adding that link into the show notes as well. Thank you so much for joining me today and I'll see you next week. Bye.